Uh, before I pray, I just want to set the, the, the tone of what we've covered uh, this weekend, uh, the three messages. The first message, if you remember, we talked about as it was, so shall it be, and we looked at uh, two uh, key words, double blindness. Do you remember that? And by double blindness, what I was trying to communicate is that for so long, an individual or individuals can become blind to God's warning that the heart becomes hardened against God. That then all of a sudden God tries one more time, and that's, the, and that's what we read. He tries one more time with something very, very profound in their lives. To try to wake them up, but the heart is so hard, they even reject that warning. Isn't that the condition that we're living in today? God is, the signs are just everywhere. And God is trying to impress upon man. Please give your life over to me. And men continue to just reject God's mercy. And then we looked at seeking the best for ourselves or myself. And we, and we came to realize that it was very subtle. And over time... We sometimes, oftentimes, people just seek the best for themselves to the point of, of neglecting their relationship with the Lord. And although they may not be lost, Lot was not lost, there was an influence, wasn't there, in the lives of others. And then they're lost. But through it all, we saw God's mercy, right? We saw God's love, His mercy, and His compassion trying to reach the heart of man. And so today, we're going to look at those three words. Remember Lot's wife. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for the blessing of your spirit now. Communicate to us very clearly what you would have us to understand and learn. And may Christ be lifted up unlike ever before in this place. And may he draw us. And those that are listening and, and viewing uh, via the satellite, may they experience a radical change in their lives as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Remember Lot's wife. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Genesis 19 to kind of look at what took place in the life of Lot and his family. And then we'll just move on as quick as we, we can. I'm going to start at verse 16, to 19. He says, and while he lingered, and we read that the last two nights, the last two days, and that's a lot lingering, the man took hold, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. Sometimes we pass through verses too quickly. Can you imagine what it was like to have an angel hold your hand? Have you ever thought about that? This is, this is an angel of God holding their hands. Isn't that beautiful? Grab hold of your hand and say, listen, we are going to get out of here. One day soon, we're going to get out of here, right? <laughs> the angels of God will stand right by our side. So it came to pass when they brought them outside of the side that he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, please, no, my Lord, 
have mercy. Have you thought about that? The angels are saying, he says, no, <laughs> don't do this to me. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have incre increased your mercy, which you have shown by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me, and I die. Have you thought about what Lot's saying here? You just saved my sight. Uh, you, you just saved my life, Lord. But if you send me over here, I'm going to die. See now, this city is near enough to flee. To, and it's a little one. Please let me escape there. My soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also. God is merciful. In that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore he called the name of the city Zor. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zor. Then what happened? The Lord rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah, right out of heaven. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, and all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. That is sad. It must have been very sad for Lot. And as we read this weekend, it was because of his influence. Had he had not lingered, had he approached life differently, if he had not lived so selfishly, he would have lost his wife. Remember, gentlemen, it's not that I'm excluding the, the women. Remember Lot's wife. We're going to look at <clears throat> the Bible verses, text before and after Jesus makes that statement. It, it's, it's very important. Jesus just wasn't walking down the street with the disciples and said, remember Lot's wife. And they said, well, okay, why? <laughs> Jesus actually prefaced that statement with some words, with some sentences. He was communicating with the disciples. He was talking to them, and he was sharing to them things concerning the kingdom of God, and then he said those words. And so let's look at what Jesus said before he said those words. Remember Lot's wife. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, Hear or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Here Jesus is saying that the Jews at the time were looking for the establishment of the kingdom that would come by visible, observable force. And Jesus was saying, It's not going to come that way. God's kingdom will come among you through the work of my spirit, and God's, and God's kingdom will be in you also through the work of my spirit. Are you following what I'm saying? And then he said to the disciples, the days will come when you desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you won't, and you won't see it. And they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go after them. 
And so this is actually mirroring what, uh, what uh, Matthew said in the book of Matthew, that the time will come where people will say, lo, he is here, lo, he is there. But Jesus said, it's, that's not the way that my return will take place. He'll say, do not go after them or follow them, for as the lightning that flashes out of one part under the heaven shines to the other part under the heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. So Jesus saying that his coming will what be visible, right? Be audible. You hear, right, the thunder? You see that lightning? He says, just the way that I'll come. And then Jesus says, and as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they brought, they sold, they planted, they built. And yesterday we learned, what, what is this? Spiritual ADD, right? An attention deficit disorder of the things of God. They don't want to pay attention to the things of God. And as they were not paying attention, on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained what? Fire and brimstone. We just read, the day that he went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone, and his wife looked back. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And then he said, in that day, he who is in a housetop and his goods are in his house, let him not, what, come down to take them away. Remember Lot's wife? She was looking back to her what? Her goods. Do you see what Jesus is, is communicating? He said the kingdom of God doesn't come through observation, but it should be where? In you. And if it's in you, You'll be so filled by God's spirit and, so and have such a direct course of what to do and how to do it, you won't look back. And that is what Jesus was communicating that day. Do you see it there? He says, and likewise, the one who, and likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not what? Go back. And then he says, remember Lot's wife. Because Lot's wife did what? She looked back. Because her heart wasn't right with God. And so Jesus was telling the disciples, get your hearts right. Because if your heart isn't right with me, you too will do what? Look back. I want my heart to be in the right place. Don't you? And it can happen. Listen to the commentary written in Pages and Prophets, page 136. Some of his children clung to Sodom, and his wife refused to depart without him. You see what she's struggling with? And you know what? I believe every person who has a child can understand that struggle. I have three sons and a daughter. 
And I pray for them daily. And oh, oh, how it would hurt my heart. If any of them rejected the Lord, I praise God that uh, right now my daughter and my son are both in ministry. You know, they're, they're, they're in our ministry and they're doing things. Actually, my son right now, he's on a, yesterday he was on college campus teaching the Word of God. A university, a secular university campus. Praise the Lord. So I can understand the struggle. Listen to what she goes on to say. If Lot himself had manifested no hesitancy to obey the angel's warning, but had earnestly fled toward the mountains. But what did he do? Remember he pled with the angel? No, no, no. His wife was listening. She was observing. Without one word of pleading or remonstrance, or remonstrance, excuse me, his wife also would have made her escape. Remember Lot's wife. What is the example, men, husbands, that you're having on your wives? The influence of his example would have saved her from the sin that sealed her doom. Remember Lot's wife, men. Husbands. But his hesitancy and delay caused her to lightly regard the divine warning. Whose hesitancy? Whose delay? Lot's. While her body was in the, upon the plain, her heart clung to... And she perished with it. See, as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. And that's where her, well, that's her, that is where her heart was set. And she was turned into a pillar of salt. She rebelled against God because his judgments involved her possessions, her children, and the ruin. Although so greatly favored in being called out from the wicked city, she felt that she was severely dealt with. Because the wealth that it had taken years to accumulate must be left to destruction. Instead of thankfully accepting deliverance, she presumptuously looked back to desire the life of those who had directed the divine warning. Doesn't that sound like the children of Israel as they were left Egypt? Her sin showed her to be unworthy of life for the preservation of which she felt so little gratitude. We ought to thank God every day for the things that he does and he gives us, shouldn't we? Every day, we ought to be giving God a word of thanksgiving for his love and his mercy and his kindness. Every morning, we ought, we ought to get up and say, thank you, Lord, for life. Amen. Every day as we travel in our cars, Lord, thank you that I made this, to this destination. Lord, thank you that I'm here. Thank you for my sons and my daughters. Thank you for Heartland. Thank you for the instructor. Thank you for the leadership. Thank you. We ought to be given with have a spirit of what? Thanks. When we have a critical spirit, it affects ourselves. Do you know that? It affects our mentality and our mind. Jesus said, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. He said, I tell you. Remember. This is after he said, remember Lot's wife. See, he didn't stop there. And he said, look, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you're going to save it. He said, I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. And then he goes on again. The one will be taken, the other left behind. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken. And actually, that means taken to the Lord and the other left behind. 
No, excuse me, taken to destruction, the one will be left for heaven. Uh, two men will be in the field, the one will be taken, and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? So he said to them, Where the body is there, the eagles will be gathered together. So what Jesus is saying, the one that is taken is taken to what? Destruction. Right? Because they said, Where, Lord? And he said, Where are you? <laughs> where the eagles are gathered together. So there's no secret rapture there. You know how they say taken. They're taken. They're taken. Jesus said they're taken to destruction. Do you, do you know where I learned this? And you know, you're going to laugh at me. You're going to say, what? I, I learned this at Liberty University. I was taking a course in eschatology. And the instructor said, listen, I know that we teach folks the secret rapture from this text is not there. The people are taken. They're taken to destruction. I said, oh, thank you. And they told me there, they said, you, you can't get the secret rapture from here. I said, thank you. So guess what? When I had my final paper that I needed to write, I wrote a paper on the literal, visible, audible return of Jesus Christ and why I didn't believe in it. And the teacher said, you know what? As long as you can prove it from the Bible, you, you know, you have to prove from the Bible. And then he told us, before you give this paper, and you got to prove it from the Bible. And, it, and we'll accept it. I gave my discourse on what I believe in eschatology and the second coming of Jesus Christ. I said, I wonder what he's going to do or say. I got an A minus. Maybe he got a little upset. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but at, at, before his signature, he said, thank you very much, David Guerrero, for giving me so much to think about. I've got a lot to think about now. Thank you. And I, in part of my paper, I said, you quote it. And I said, quote it. And then I wrote his name. You said it's not, <laughs> it can be found in the word of God. And that's why I can't accept it. Because it's not there. But thank you for the emphasis. You see, we live in a world of distractions, don't we? And so our hearts are being turned towards the things of this life. I'm going to move forward here because we read these last time, and I, and I want to move to this statement found in the word uh, in the book Preach and the Prophets. Then the angels bade him arise and take his wife and the two daughters who were yet in the house, his house and leave the city. But Lot delayed, though daily distress and beholding deeds of violence. Are we seeing a lot of violence in the world today? He had no true conception of the debasing and abominable iniquity practice in that vile city. He did not realize the terrible necessity for God's judgments to put a check on sin. Some of his children clung to Sodom, and his wife refused to depart with them. The thought of leaving those whom he held dearest on earth seemed more than he could bear. It was hard to forsake his luxurious home and all the wealth that he acquired by its labor of his whole life to go forth as a destitute wanderer. But those are his thoughts. You know, he had everything, didn't he? He had the Lord. But he just didn't seem to appreciate it or realize how good God was being in his life. 
Stupefied with sorrow, he lingered, loath to depart. But for the angels of God, they would have all perished in the ruin of Sodom. You know, some of us are going to be saved at the last minute, but thank God for that. I'm not encouraging you to live presumptuously, my friend. I'm just saying thank God for that. The heavenly messengers took him and his wife and his daughters by the hand, and what did they do? They led them out of the city. But now we have a picture of what was going through their minds, don't we? Lot was thinking about his children being lost. His wife was thinking about everything that she was losing. Lot was thinking about his house and all of the fine things that he accumulated. And he was watching as he was going out of that city. And as all that was going on, she looked back, which was an indication of where her heart was. Right? Love not the things of this world. The Bible says she perished. I'm going to share with you a true story. In 2015, there is where I lived. I lived there for almost 10 years. Several years before 2015, the Lord was tugging my heart. It was time to get out of that city. I struggled with the thought of leaving that home. And the Lord needed to work on my heart. David Negron, this is a friend of mine from Philadelphia. He was in that house once, weren't you? Very fine home. <laughs> Over 3,000 square feet. One of my neighbors is the, one of the wealthiest persons in Wisconsin. In his home, he has in, the, in his basement an Olympic-sized skating rink. Nice man, invite the family over, very kind and uh, not a doctor on one side. Or I do you went to doctor or his house, remember? And, and you were witnessing to him. Very bold of you. And actually, he was convicted and convinced. And so I sat there saying, okay. And I actually, like Lot, I'm not proud of this, said, Lord, you know, we can do ministry from right here. It's a fine place. I said, I still have to reach some of my neighbors. My wife said, David, it's time. And so uh, we had a lot of memories in that house. That's my wife. I know my wife looks very young. Some people say, I thought you had four kids. I, you have five. I said, no, that's my wife. And I said, man, I must look real old. Uh, and we had a lot of fine, fine memories in that house. This is Joel and Micah. They're the two tall guys that are with me now. This is them back then. And it was very difficult for me to think about leaving that home. I had great memories concerning how God had miraculously brought us there and set us there and how we're doing God's work there. The Lord said, no, I have something else for you. And I struggled. And I'm thinking about my children. And that's my daughter there in the yard. 
We had a lot of fine memories. Fine memories. That's my son Joshua. That's our oldest. That's in the house. And so I began to pray. And I'm going to share with you the story just as it unfolded. And I finally conceded. And I said, okay, honey, we'll put the house in the market. But I said, we'll do it for sale by owner. If God wants this thing to sell, it'll sell. But the Lord had a lot of work to do on me. Because I, I, it was for sale by owner, but I put it in the miscellaneous in the newspaper. <laughs> I told her I would put it in the paper. This is, this is true. And I said, in my heart, I said, hopefully nobody will see this and we'll stay here. I started getting many phone calls. And one gentleman his wife came to the house. They looked around and they said, this is the house. And I said, oh, no, this is not your house. <laughs> he sat down with us at the table. And the gentleman, he offered us $15,000 less. And in that market then, that was a good thing. They gave me almost my asking price. Because, you know, you usually put it, right, a little higher. But the Lord had blessed me because I had gotten a house for very cheap because I got the house this way. The Lord has always been good to me. Two wealthy people were visiting the house only once a month, and he would go to the East Coast, and she would go to the West Coast. Just once a month, they would meet in this new house. Finally, the wife said, just sell this. Just get it off our hands, lowest price. We need this, this makes no sense for us to have this house. And we came along. Isn't God good? And phew, the house didn't even cost me $200,000 in an area where the houses were going for about three dollars to $500,000. So when I sold it, God, God is good, right? It was because the value was there. So 15000 less than what I was asking for was, and so I said, ah, I got to pray about this. And you remember what I said a couple of days ago, my wife went, under the table, boom. <laughs> like, we've been praying. <laughs> and he said, so what's your hesitancy? Remember, that's the same word, right? And, and I, I said, well, my reluctance is, is this. If I am to move... Because he only gave me 45 days to move. I said, in 45 days, I've got to find a place. I've got to move. I said, and that's going to be hard to find a place and move in 45 days. And, and, you know, I said, and if I have to stay somewhere, I've got to stay at a hotel or somewhere, that's going to cost money. So he says, I'll give you the asking price. I said, well, let me pray about that. And again, boom. Like... God is doing what? And we had been praying. It's not like I was, and my wife knew what was going on inside of me. So I said, well, you folks can leave. And he said, well, you have X amount of days to make a decision. And I said, okay. And so after he left, my wife said, you know, what's going on? What's the matter with me? And I said, well, 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 you don't understand. I said, if we sell this house now, he's only given us 45 days, and we don't find anything, we'll go homeless. We won't have a place to stay. I said, as the man of this house, I have to try to take care of my family. My wife says, you need to understand something. I have never depended upon you to take care of me. She said, I've always depended upon God. She says, so, you're the man of the house. We'll wait. But she, she said, you need to understand something. And it, it touched my heart when she said that. She goes, 
if we have to live out in the street and if we end up in the street, it's okay because we will have one another and God. And I saw you just go upstairs. And I prayed and labored in prayer with God that evening. And I said, Lord, please, you know, help me make this decision. Although it was clear what I should do, I said, Lord, you know that I have to take care of this family and what if? What is that gentleman? I told him, don't think about the what if. Think about what is. And I wrestled with the Lord. And then finally the Lord left me alone with these words. He said, the just shall live by faith. And that was it. I got up in the morning. But I had figured out, watch this. That with the money I was making, if I was living in the street, it was okay. Because I had three years worth of money to live. See, I figured it out. So I was ready. So we, we moved. My son Joel, he looked for a camper because we might be living in a camper for a while. Found one up in northern Minnesota. I have so many stories. The price I paid for this was almost half the price. When I called the insurance company and I gave him the VIN number, he said, can you give me that again? He goes, what are you paying for this? He said, there's no way. I said, yes. He goes, you got a deal and a half. The Lord was so good that when eventually we sold this, I got what I paid for this. Do you see how the Lord takes care of his people? Because the value was there. And we lived in this camper for almost six months. And you know what the Lord did? First, I was looking for a place out in the country. I said, okay, and I kept looking, and we couldn't find anything. And the Lord was working in my life. You know why? Because if I couldn't find anything, what was happening to my money? The Lord said, well, you know, we're going to work with this guy. He's going to have to spend everything and learn that I am God. So I was spending on the campground. I was spending on, and I was spending. And then my wife said, you know what the problem is? Because I was looking. She said, this is your problem. You keep looking, but you're not praying. I said, oh, 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 here. I said, I'm praying while I'm looking. She said, no, no, you don't understand. You need to just stop looking and pray. So I said, okay. I said, man, but we got to look. So for one week, I stopped looking. I was just praying. And I found our house. Watch this. I think the Lord, the Lord had a sense of humor. I found a house in Craigslist, on Craigslist. As if the Lord said, remember you put it in miscellaneous? I had this guy put it on Craigslist. And I looked and I read the descriptions of the house and I just told myself, there's just... And then my wife, I said, I said, look, honey, look at the descriptions of this house. And my wife, as you're picking up, she has a lot of wisdom. She has everybody says their house looks good. You got to go see it. And when we went together, my wife set foot on the property. My wife's name is Jacqueline. Now watch the catch. Her name is Jacqueline. Okay, what's my wife's name? Okay. And she says, this is the place. 22 acres, right off of a lake, out of the country. This is the place. We asked the men again to clarify the asking price. He tells us this. One thing I say 
uh, uh, part of this property we would like for our ministry. Could you, send it, could you sell it in two parcels? He goes, that's easy. It is two parcels. The second parcel I had just in case something happened in my life, I would move there. He goes, so I sell the ministry one parcel? Sell you one parcel. Isn't God good? God knew what was happening. I said, okay. And so we, the, the ministry had some money, you know, and pay for that. And I said, okay, what's a down payment? Went to the bank. Okay. And the Lord had one more thing to do. In that process, the closing kept being, being put off. And I had to spend more. And then finally, I was out of money, and the call came from the bank, and he said, things have changed. You need 18 more thousand dollars. I looked at my wife, she looked at me, and at the same time, a week prior, we said, we're going to give it all for the ark, because we're saying, this is the ark that God wants us to build, as it was in days of Noah. And when the bank said, no, excuse me. Was eighteen, yeah, about eighteen thousand dollars. I said, I don't have eighteen thousand dollars. Did you hear me? He said, David, <laughs> things have changed with the banking. Unless you have the money, really, it's over. By that time, God had grown our faith. And at that time, it was, it was now fall of the year. The campground had closed, and I was living in a hotel. We got on our knees. Are you listening to me? We pled with the God of heaven. We have no money. Nothing. And my prayer was different. I said, God, if this is the end of this, this journey here, and we have to live out in the street, your will be done. He had grown my faith and trust in him. Are you listening to me? And I was willing now to live in the street with the Lord. And my children and my wife. Because she told me, I don't care if it's us in the street. As long as we have the Lord and we have each other, we have everything. And God had increased our faith. That if he wanted us to have this piece of property, it would take place by miraculous means. And so I got off of my knees your will be done. The next morning, I got a phone call. And now I remember it was $15,000 because there's another part of the story. It just came out. I said, hmm, seven, round 17. And a person called me who had not spoken to me in a long time and said, Pastor Guerrero, how are you doing? I said, okay. They said, how's your ministry? Remember some time ago you were talking about buying a piece of property? Did you ever find anything? I said, yeah. Really? Tell me about it. And I told her about it. And she said, so are you going to inquire? I said, well, there's some things going on right now. 
She said, tell me. And immediately I said, no, I can't do that. She said, why? I said, because the Lord has to take care of me. I said, I'm not going to let man step in and try to take care of things. for me. God is the one. She said, please, just, just tell me so I know what to pray for. And so I said, okay, it has to do with finances. The bank is trying to, you know, tell me that I need a certain amount. And so she said, why don't you tell me the amount so that I can pray to God with you for the amount that you need? I said, well, I can't do that. I want God to be the one. And she said, please. She said, God impressed me to call. So I said, okay. And I'll call her name Maria. That's not her name, but just so to hide her identity. I said, Maria, I need $15,000. There was a pause. She said, Pastor, where can I meet you to write you the check? I said, what? She said, that's why I called you. She said, I came across you know, uh, some money, a big amount of money, and I was wondering what to do with it. God impressed me to call you. So where do I meet you to write the check? Four days later, I sat before her, and she wrote the check out. But the story doesn't end there. As we're nearing the closing, I need another eight hundred dollars. I said, "Ah, <laughs> you follow me?" And then the night before the closing, the owner calls me and says, uh, "Did you look at the contract by the title company?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, uh, "There's been a mistake." He said, "You owe me two thousand dollars." I said, $2,000? He said, sit. He said, go over the contract with me. And we got on the phone. He looked, and I tallied. I said, man, he's right. So I said, look, can we make a deal on the house? Can we do something different? I said, Ken. And he said, look, David, we started this journey in June. It's now November, and you still can't close on this house. He said, there's been delay after delay after delay. He said, my wife's frustrated. So he said, look, don't call me unless you have $2,000. And if I don't hear from you, I'm not coming to the closing. He hung up. My wife's on my face. She said, what's going on? I said, we need $2,000. She said, what? And I sat down. I said, we hit our knees again. We, said, heaven, we prayed. We said, God in heaven, the same type of prayer. Lord, if this is the end of the journey, it's okay. But if it's your will for us to have this property, then you make a way. Got up off my knees, and in my heart, I was impressed, my mind. Check your ministry email. Get up. My wife said, what are you doing? I said, wait, wait, wait. Open the email. We can inflame today at yahoo.com. What? A message from PayPal, congratulations, such and such has just donated $2,000 to your ministry. I took my laptop, showed my wife, I said, look what just happened. It had just happened. And she smiled, she said, we're going to the closing. Said, yes, we are. She said, but wait a minute, she said, turn off your phone, unplug the hotel phone, Shut the computer. No one can get in touch with us. She said, she said, the next thing we do is we get to that bank and close. I made one more call. left a message and a text for the gentleman. I said, meet me at the bank. I've got the $2,000. And we closed. 
on the home. The loan officer said this, and praise God. He goes, David, I've been watching this whole ordeal play out. He says, and you don't realize it, but I was rooting for you. You know why? And now watch what he says. I watched your faith. I watched how God has worked in your life. And I said, God is going to do it for this guy. I said, really? He said, oh, yes. He said, I, I watched it happen. He said, congratulations. Story doesn't end there. We moved on our property. That's my daughter. We live right across from a lake. Those are my two boys on the lake. God is good, isn't he? God was calling us into this ministry, and he was providing for everything that we would need. But see, God had a plan. He, he had a purpose. He was calling us to, to do something for him. And we were excited when we arrived on the, on the property. We started to, you know, engage in, in changing some of the physical structures, meaning we added a big garden. And my wife said she wanted some trees planted so we could live out in the country and prepare for things. But something happened. David Guerrero, who did I say? David Guerrero, do you know who that is? Me. David Guerrero started to kind of say, well, we've arrived. Let's just put some of that off by my attitude. And one morning, my wife got up and she said, you know, we've been talking about planting these trees. When are we? She said, and you know, the trees are in the garage and they're packaged nicely and we're kind of have them preserved. But, you know, you've been talking a long time, but we haven't started the trees. And I just said, you know, do we really have to do this now? I said, you know, we're, we're here. God is. And she said, please. So I got up that morning. And I started to dig because the Ellen White way, that's the way my wife, do it the Ellen White way, you know, with the rocks and the, I said, okay. And as I was digging, I came across a rock. Now, remember, it's early in the morning, out in the sun, I'm digging, and, and all of a sudden I hear, ching, and I go, oh, what's that? And I hit, and I go, oh, man. And I'm still digging, and, and I get one rock out. I'm saying, man, it's going to take forever. And I start digging again. There's another rock. And I'm digging for a while. And you know what's happening? And I say, Lord, please help me. I said, I, can we make this easier? And as I got on my knees, I got on my knees. I was in the hole. I was on my knees. I said, Lord, please. The Lord began to speak to me. He said, David, if you listen to my voice, I'll show you how to get rid of all of those rocks. You don't know what you're doing, do you? I said, no. And I prayed. And as the Lord began to talk to me, he began to, and I started listening. You know that's what country living will do for you? Hear the voice of God. I'm digging. And I'm fine. And it, it, it becomes easy. I'm like, and, and so I started enjoying it. I'm like, no, this is pretty. I said, thank you, Lord. And we're hitting, and we're just getting rock after rock after rock after rock after rock after rock. 
I am, excuse me, not we are. Well, we are because it's the Lord. I'm not alone in this. The angels are with me. And then I'm done. We have like, I, I dig like five holes. You just, whew. And the Lord said, Dave, those rocks represent your heart. And you need a new one. I said, what? He said, yeah. That's why I got you out here this morning. Because you needed to change your stony heart. And I need to give you a heart of flesh. He said, a new heart will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away your stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a new heart. God was moving us out of the city and into the country because he loved us so much. And he wanted to give who? Me. A new heart. Thank God for that. You see, the trials and the experiences that we go through, because God allows them because he loves us. You know what? That's not the end of the story. I was weeping there, and I said, thank you, Lord. I said, thank you for just working in my experience, my life. Thank you for the promise of a new heart. Thank you for helping to see where I was stubborn, and I lacked faith, and how if I just could... Continue to hold on to your hand. You continue to work in my life and my experience and use me for your glory. And this was around the time. Remember I told you, I think it was two, two, uh, two days ago, or I think it was yesterday, where I was in the shower and I said, yeah, this self-supporting ministry stuff, this is going to turn out all right. And God said, what? You can't support yourself. He said, you, uh, he said, David, I want you to remember something. This is God-supported ministry. I said, you're right. I said, because you've done it all. He said, no, please don't forget that. Because he loves me. But this is the way this, this part of the, st- the story ended. I got up. I prayed. I thanked God. And I looked up. And guess what I saw? An eagle. An eagle was just soaring around the property. Isn't that beautiful? But they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Do you see what happens when, when we just wait upon the Lord? God was revealing to me that he would be my shield. He would be my protection. He would be my everything. And that if I would just continue to hold onto the hand of God, I would soar like an eagle. You see, the Bible tells us for whoever, for Whatever is born of God will overcome this world, a new heart. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And I said, praise God. We can overcome the world, can't we? We don't have to look back. We can keep looking up (laughs) for our redemption draws near in this life. And so as I was now walking towards 
my home, leaving the area where I would had dug five holes, huge holes, for those trees. God gave me one more verse. And it was Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, Noah, when warned about those things not yet seen, in holy field built an ark to save who? Boom. The Lord said, see, I brought you here. And I know that oftentimes you think about this whole world to win. He said, but I brought you here to save your family. Remember Lot's what? Remember Lot's wife. So now it has a new meaning for me, doesn't it? Be a right influence <laughs> to my wife. Be a right influence to my children. Are you following me? Don't be selfish. Don't try to save the best for yourself. Remember Lot's wife. You following me? David, avoid double blindness. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. And I don't believe that I'm alone in having that experience. I believe there's many that are listening, that's watching. I believe there's some here who, who God's trying to work in your life. And he's trying to tell you, remember Lot's wife. And this whole weekend has given you a new and different meaning, as God gave me a new and different meaning. You see, every life, act of life, However small, has its bearing for good or evil. And it is the unpretending acts of daily self-denial performed with a cheerful, willing heart that God will smile upon. We're not to live for self, but to live for others. And it's only by self-forgetfulness, by cherishing a loving, helpful spirit, that we can... that. What? We can make our life a blessing. Remember Lot. Remember Lot's wife. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they brought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on that day, the Lord went out of Sodom, but on that day Lot went out of Sodom. It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. But God tried to save them all before all was destroyed. And God is going to try to save us all before it's all destroyed. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Even so, Will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed? Remember Lot's wife. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is with a spirit 
of repentance and confession that we come before you this morning. We've come to understand the story of Lot and his family in such a clear and different way this weekend. We pray that as you continue to work in our experiences and you move in our lives, you will help us by the working of your spirit, by the power of your grace, to relinquish that which will keep us from giving ourselves fully and totally to you. Father, we pray that every step of the way in this life and as we journey, that you, as true and living God, will create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. And that the character of Christ will continually be reproduced in each one of us as your children, as you work in our lives individually and prepare for us for the soon return of Jesus. And as our lives are transformed and changed by your love, may those in our household, may those in our community see the power of God being demonstrated through every action of our lives and may it be a winsome appeal to each one of them as they inquire of us the things concerning why we live the way we do and and why we conduct and carry ourselves in such a, a loving, magnanimous way that then we will give them the good news of the everlasting gospel that we will see many saved before you come again which is so soon. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.